Rangers, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my dashing, dirty blonde co-host, Kennedy. Hey, what's up? And today, I've got the lovely, the talented, the smart, the unique, Rachel Khan. Welcome hey. to the show. Great to be here. How has everything been with you? We're in election hell for the last, uh, hopefully, couple of days of election hell. And then, you know, we'll see. We'll see how things go. <laughs> what new hell awaits us? Exactly. What fresh hell? What's going on on your side of the uh, podcasting world? So we're working on a new pod about Star Trek called Gay Space Communism. And that's pretty exciting. Kennedy's on that one sometimes, too. Mm hmm. We rebranded Bitch Brunch. It's Ungirl now so that we can sell merchandise without having a bunch of like, you know, blurred stuff all over it because it does cusses. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Not Safe for Wonks continues to be fabulous. So. Correct. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. What is your experience with the Power Rangers? Uh, I watched it as a child. And now, as an adult, I have watched, like, five episodes uh, several <laughs> times. And that is the entirety. Uh, and I, I only kind of know what's going on. I'm very confused. I am curious uh, in particular, and, you know, forgive me for turning the tables here, but, like, how are you picking these because i was trying to find like a through line or a theme and as far as i could tell it was just like a bunch of random power rangers <laughs> episodes well that's kind of accurate i mean so basically we have a filler guide which we use to de determine what we're gonna watch because like all these uh early power rangers seasons are like 60 episodes a piece and we're not watching 60 episodes of the power rangers uh, per season just to make this show so instead we we use a filler guide and then within that uh grav and i we pour over the episodes that we watch we deliberate uh we we laugh we cry we gnash teeth and we come up with the best and worst episodes from each season and uh, there's kind of a slightly anarchic edge to it so the total number of episodes <laughs> can vary yeah Is that about right yeah so basically like if kennedy decides to be a contrarian uh it's we'll only ultimately contrarian. It will, <laughs> it's I, I i lay this blame solely on kennedy i will say though this was the season that i think was the weirdest to sort of select from just yes. because like the meme potential was there when it comes to my experience with Reading these episodes, I want to say that it's enjoyment. How how much enjoyment did I get out of the episodes? Yeah. And I think this season was the weirdest for me to select from just because, <laughs> like, it was a slow burn. For a season that we were originally only going to watch 19 episodes of, my favorite episodes are skewed as to, like, when I started getting a lot of enjoyment out of the series versus, like, me pouring over the entire series as a whole and then picking the episodes that I think are like the absolute best. This is like, oh, this is a turning point in the series where I thought it was really interesting, really cool, and really fun for that reason and that reason yeah. alone. That's why I picked my favorites. 
the worst is always just going to be, oh, yeah, what was actually the worst episode that I watched? Which I think this <laughs> season, this season was pretty easy, right? Well, kind I mean, kind of, because there weren't that many terrible, there weren't really any t- ultra terrible episodes this season. Like, season two and season three had some episodes that were like two out of tens that were still in the filler guide. Uh, to be clear, like, if we watched every episode of Zeo, we'll talk about more of this in the end of season review. We might have a different opinion, but, like, I'm excited. according to what's in the filler guide, like, we're just watching certain things, but even with that, we were still watching some episodes that were, like, just absolute garbo um, <laughs> in seasons two and three. Nothing here was absolute garbo, but it still felt pretty clear to us what the worst episode was. Yeah, a lot of unexpected kind of twists and turns this season. I think there was a couple of things that were definitely formulaic with it, but I think ultimately it panned out pretty well and pretty evenly across the board for it. So I was I was really excited. Rachel, what were your uh, initial impressions on Zio? Okay, so I liked that they finally stopped doing the weird racial color coding thing. I'm glad they got <laughs> over that. Yes. Uh, that was a major improvement from the one I remembered, which was, I think, just the first season, actually, because it came out when I was like four or five or something. And then I immediately stopped watching it, um, not because it was racially color coded, but because I was five and just got distracted by Barney or something. And uh, I, so I like that. You. You yeah, yeah. Me. Yeah. That, much less stuff. punching, much more hugging. Yeah, um, I did like the punching. Lots of good punch happening. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I like that uh, Rita Repulsa is still there because she is, in fact, hair and fashion goals. Like, that is <laughs> psychotic witch energy I want to bring into 2021. I love it. Yeah. Rita's mm-hmm. design is amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. You know, I, I, it was really campy. The costumes were still not very good, but I sort of realized... Maybe 30 seconds into the first, like, monster fight. And I watched, I guess, Rangers of Two Worlds. I watched that, like, first. Because I didn't, like, watch in any particular order. And so they're fighting that, like, giant pink thing. Which I assume we'll talk about when we get to that episode in particular. And I had (laughs) the realization, like, oh, I'm just watching a kaiju show. And then it, like... Yeah, right. And the ones I realized, like, oh, it's a kaiju show. I get it now. It made a lot more like, uh, like sense to me. Does that make sense? Because like I remember yeah. the, like, social drama parts of it from when I was a kid, and now I'm like, oh, kaiju show. <laughs> so I was like, those were my big revelations revisiting it as an adult. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. The way I've been viewing the show is more like an anime, like a shonen anime with like power levels and all that stuff, because that's how I like to view these action shows quite a bit. I like to look at it through that type of lens. I just think it's fun when I like one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time is someone doing the power rankings, the power ranking tier lists of all of the Ed, Ed and Eddie characters. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's it's fa- it's actually a fantastic video. I think it's like 50 minutes long too, but it's it's a worthwhile watch. Just and, sorting and, and ranking all of the Ed, Ed and Eddie characters. Yes. Yeah, I approve. Yeah. I approve. 
as well. Uh, the kaiju fights have been kind of hit or miss, I think, overall. They've been more, yeah. like, just okay a lot of the time. But when they're good, they're really fucking good. As we get into the best and worst, chronologically speaking, uh, one of my best picks it comes first, which is there's no business like snow business. <laughs> and before we talk about this episode, I want to mention two things. One, which was this episode wasn't on the original draft of the filler guide that I that I had compiled for this. Yeah, show. I just I have to go off on this for a second because I get annoyed with the filler guide a lot. And this isn't your fault, Gravin. You know this, but it's because of the, the nerds that came before. Because when we made this show, Grav lovingly, with extreme care, compiled the world's greatest Power Rangers viewing guide out of many other filler guides. So at some point along the way, someone else thought, you know, even though... And all, the, all these filler guides include every single time we see a new power truck or whatever, a new dinosaur car, a new skateboard that shoots a laser out of it. We have to see that. But apparently, Kimberly and Tommy breaking up is not canon. That's not good enough. That's not important enough for us to watch it. What is this? Yeah, so there was actually two instances of this, which is... Uh... One of the episodes, Graduation Blues, uh, which doesn't make it on the list, uh, shows mm -hmm. like Billy getting a diploma, graduating from, I believe, high school. But I'm going to say it's community college uh, <laughs> for reasons we'll go over soon. But uh, he gets his like community college diploma from Angel Grove University that's on the same campus as Angel Grove High School. That's on the <laughs> same campus as Angel Grove Elementary. Because remember, this is a socialist world, right? This is a yeah. socialist liberal democracy world. Yes. Incidentally, Angel Grove Middle is on the other side of town altogether because even in Angel Grove, <laughs> keep those horrible little middle school monsters sequestered. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They are they are still annoying. So with that being said, Billy gets his community college diploma because <laughs> he's got all the credits ahead of time. And Billy leaves to go to Aquatar to help Sestro with something. And this is where... I have this headcanon of like Sestro and Billy dating, but that's the, I'm going to save that for the season review. But the way that episode ends, Billy leaves to Aquatar and that's it. And he kind of just says goodbye. Like he's just, he doesn't go to anybody. He just kind of leaves and leaves like a note for everyone uh, that they end up finding out that he went to Aquatar. Really like moody teenager vibes. But uh, the next episode was like the power of gold and Billy's back. And it's not explained or anything. And I'm just like, you can't fucking do that. Like, you, you can't fucking do that. Don't give me a half canon episode and then follow it up with a full canon episode. If something as major as a course, character leaving the planet leave, happens. He leaves the planet again. He leaves the planet multiple times. I, guess, I don't know what was happening in the background. I'm guessing, like, there was, like, it's negotiations drunk. going on with Saban about Billy's exit. Uh, because this was also the season of, like... The homophobia going up to a tipping point behind the scenes with uh, David Yost. Wait, was Billy homophobic or the actor? No, no, no the actor's gay. gay. Everybody was homophobic to him. Wait, so yeah. he got ousted for being gay? Yeah. Kind of, sort of, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's more complicated than that, but yes. Essentially, yes. Like, that, that was a huge sucks. issue. Yeah. 
If you wanted to he, say that it was just for that reason, that wouldn't be unfair. Like, it's that bad. Let's yeah, just... like, he walked off the set. <laughs> According to him, he had walked off the set off of one of the episodes because he had been called the F word too, uh, one too many times and then checked himself into conversion therapy. Oh, my God. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. I assumed that it was drugs or something, and now I kind of wish it had just been drugs. Yeah, it's no. bad. 90s haha most progressive era <laughs> right yeah um, i mean it's easy to forget because nowadays in 2020 uh gay men are no longer actually queer because pete Buttigieg happened but you know back in the 90s <laughs> being a gay man was marginalizing yeah i decided to include uh mr billity's wild ride or wild adventure i think it is uh which is basically billy coming back to the planet and for something that is like a originally declared filler, right? In the context of the original draft, that episode is actually really good. Like it's not it's, as it's good, good. Like it's not actually like as good as the our favorite picks, but that episode's really good. Another one was Tommy and Kimberly right. breaking up. Which and so the reason why I included these episodes, which is there's no business like, like snow business, the three-parter, is because in the power of gold, or at least one of the episodes coming up after that, Kat and Tommy are very, very close to each other, like couples. And yeah. I've expressed this issue I've had in the show where Kimberly doesn't break up with Tommy when she leaves the show. So they're technically still in a relationship. And, and Tommy, Tommy's just acting sus. Yeah, Tommy is acting real sus with the Aquatar, uh, Aquatar Delphine. And yep. uh, even Cat to an extent too, which he was already acting sus with Cat while he was in a relationship with Kimberly. I was gonna like dumpster Tommy this season, honestly, <laughs> if, if it wasn't for this three-parter. Because Tommy is of, very attractive, though. I, I understand, but like it doesn't set a good example for kids. Yeah, and but this he is has like a that like show. he has that forced feminization soft boy thing going on. So it's like, so it's okay for him to cheat. uh, If you do not wholeheartedly support Tommy, you're transphobic, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Had this been in an open relationship or whatever, and it was discussed that way, like Kimberly is like open with Kat or something like that, which I mean, she kind of was based on her finding out that Tommy and Kat were in the same car together. She was just perfectly okay with that. I just Wait, love- is this what monogamous no. culture is like? Do you people no, just I, get mad if your partner's in a car with somebody? I knew, I like, knew. See, I knew. I was like out of context, just saying they were in the same car together. Okay, sounds like the weirdest shit yes. to be freaking so out the about. Co- okay, 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 okay. Monogamous. Let me let me explain. Let me explain. I want to get away from. Let me explain. No, no, no. Let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Okay. All right. All right. So the context is, Ed Kimberly, through Zordon's viewing globe, sees them trapped in that dark dimension together in the car. Ed Kimberly is like, oh no, Tommy's, Tommy's trapped in there with someone. So it's like seven minutes in heaven, but also it's actually like way longer than seven minutes and you're in a completely alternate dimension where there's nothing to do but fuck. If I was Tommy... First of all, I would also know that the Power Rangers have my back and are going to get me out of this. But also the fact that Zordon's viewing globe every, like, is essentially the Patriot Act 
prior to the actual Patriot Act, <laughs> I would be shitting myself. Because I would know that I am going to be saved and they are going to find out. <laughs> so, like, I was actively getting upset by that. So I went to look up when does Kimberly break up with Tommy via the letter because I knew that ahead. I was already spoiled on that. I found out that it was in an episode that wasn't listed in the filler guide. And there's this whole three-parter about not only Kimberly sending Tommy that letter, but also him getting into or at least planting the seeds of getting into a relationship with Kat. That's huge in terms of character development. It has to be in this guide. So I told Kennedy straight up, I was like, I'm not going to even deliberate this with you, but we're putting this in the filler guide. Now, the thing that you guys don't know is <laughs> deliberations, which I want to thank Rachel for this. So Rachel tells me, is Tommy Native American? Because he's coded <laughs> yes, that way. I did say this behind the scenes. I was like, okay, so is Tommy Native American or is he just Native coded? And in either case, is the actor Native? And in any case, if he is Native, is it racist? So I told her it's complicated <laughs> because it's not actually racist in the context of the show, but it is also racist in the context of the show. So had sex with a Native American and then eventually became the Tommy as we know it. Uh, in 1993. So what you're saying is the only way this person has even as much native blood as, say, Elizabeth Warren is because he went back in time and became his own great great grandfather. Yes, he, some, he is he a very He did some very bizarre time travel colonism. Yes. Colonialism. Don't worry, because Adam was going to do the same thing. And it's OK if Adam does it because he's Asian. <laughs> 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 Adam was gonna Adam was gonna like there's this girl who drops something near Adam and it's the exact same actress so it's her descendant and he's like oh yeah banging descendants everyone's yeah. dream right so glad your great great grandma porked before she died of cholera <laughs> <laughs> so the Red Ranger is always the leader character. So Tommy going from the Green Ranger to the White Ranger to the Red Ranger is kind of seen like, oh, yeah, it's a natural transition because he's always kind of sort of been the leader, especially yeah. when Rocky was the Red Ranger. Now, in the Zeo quest in season three of the Power Rangers, they did make Tommy Native American. <laughs> so, yes, it is kind of sort of racist that he is the Red Ranger, but also... It kind of also isn't racist that he's the Red Ranger just because the Red Ranger is always the leader character. Well, but and it, they have it at this feels point a little bit Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> so when they, okay, right, here's so, my, my actual, okay. when I say is it racist, I don't just mean because they made him the Red Ranger. Because I understand at this point they've given up on that sort of color coding by race thing. But also, like, a lot of times in the 90s, Whenever they would do like a Native American storyline, it was always some heinously racist shit. It would always be like, it's a tribe and it's actually this weird like amalgamation of like four completely different regional tribes that had nothing to do with each other. Yeah. You know? And, uh, or they'll be like, we're doing a vision quest and it's like not a vision quest at all. And it's like 
you know, completely inaccurate, but it is the reason that, you know, dozens and dozens of people say they're going to go get a spirit animal or whatever. I, I mean, that kind of racist. Yes, it's that kind of thing. And one of the funniest yeah. examples I have to say I've ever seen of this, and this is ultimate, like, peak 90s slash early 2000s racial blindness, like, just completely, like, bizarro wokeness. There's an episode of uh, Criminal Minds where it revolves heavily around, like, um, this one character offending a Native American detective in, like, the town that they're in and then, like, learning to, like, respect people better, kind of. Except that, like, the things that this, like, supposed Native American person, like, character is saying aren't accurate to any tribe ever. So he's offended about things that no one would actually be offended about. And it's like, this is peak 90s lunacy right here. That just sounds like Twitter libs to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's that's how this feels too, though. It has those vibes. <laughs> right. So my point anyway. is, the deliberations that were going to take place is that... There are episodes that explore Tommy's Native American past where he has to find an arrowhead and his brother. Like his brother was kidnapped or something like that. And it involves like a an arrowhead as like a uh, an artifact of his family heritage. Should we include those episodes in the filler guide? Oh, interesting. <laughs> I mean, if it develops Tommy's character, arguably, yes. But do we really? <laughs> but do we really? <laughs> yeah, like we're just looking at each other right now like, but do we actually watch those? <laughs> <laughs> do, do we really want to add that to Tommy's character? Like... Well, here's here's something that we didn't have to deliberate about. Let's talk about no business like snow business. <laughs> because this is clear and unambiguous, unlike Tommy's heritage. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So in No Business Like Snow Business, it basically starts off with Tommy is at the, the gym. He's at the juice bar. He's pumping iron. And Ernie's like, hey, I got a letter for you from, uh, from Kimberly. And uh, everyone's like, oh, that's great, you know, and, and Tommy's like, yeah, that's great. Just, uh, I think Adam reads it out loud, right? Um, yep. He's like, he's like, yeah, just uh, you read it, Adam. And Adam just starts to read it. And about halfway through the letter, Adam realizes he's reading a Dear John letter. Um, <laughs> 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 and he's like, oh, uh. And, and Tommy's just like, no, it's fine. Finish it. And like finishes the letter and it's just this sad this sad sad breakup letter and it's over kimberly and tommy are done and tommy just heads out to the lake just he's skipping stones it's very emotional he's looking back on every moment he ever spent with kimberly the soundtrack it's a <laughs> it's a boys to men music video <laughs> yes it's amazing. I also want to say, like, okay, so the man is pumping iron in a sweater, like a thick ass fucking sweater. Uh, and, and when like, I 
took notes on this. I specifically took notes on Tommy's like wardrobe. Uh, because consistently throughout every one of these episodes, this dude is dressed like a grandpa. <laughs> like, I, he used to, like in the first season, he dressed cool or like 90s cool, you know, as cool as anybody was in the 90s. And in this entire thing, he looks like he's about to like buy a used lawnmower dealership. Wow. Yeah, Damn. I don't I don't <laughs> disagree. I don't disagree. An another thing I wanted to add is like, kind of sort of is like an uncomfortable moment when they're reading that letter because Adam's reading it and he gets halfway through the letter and he's like, oh, this is a breakup letter. And he reads some of it. And then uh, Adam's like, I don't know if I should be doing this. Like, you sure you want me to keep reading it and stuff? Uh, and he's like, no, nah, man, it's okay. You can finish it. party to your public humiliation? Like, Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that was like a massively uncomfortable moment. Like, I don't understand why uh, Adam just didn't like do a pre-read and just say, yo, Tommy, you need to read this, man. <laughs> like, not me. Uh, I, for one, was turned on. <laughs> I liked it, actually. I'll be like the, the weird take here, maybe, I guess. But like, I thought it was good because like, it feels very natural when they start reading it. Like, oh, you know, Kimberly, you know, like they all want to know what's going on with her. You know, they all miss her, whatever. You imagine that like Tommy's been getting these letters and like Adam just starts off reading it very naturally because he assumes that the letter is basically just going to be like, oh, I'm good. I hope you're good. I hope everyone's good. Blah, blah. <clears throat> Instead, no, it's sad. It's sad news. On the other hand, for, from Tommy's perspective, it's like, I think it's just one of those, well, you've already heard this much. Like, we might as, you might as well just, like, I'm going to have to tell you all this stuff anyway. Y'all are my best friends. Just keep, just bin it. Fuck it. Like, like, maybe if, if, like, he had known the contents of the letter, he wouldn't have, you know, I mean, he wanted still, he's everybody to hear it. But if this was in, like, your living room with your boys or whatever, I'd be like, all right, yeah, sure, fine. But, like... This is in a public area where people can walk by in earshot. The juice bar is the living room with the boys. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, that, like, I get what you're saying, but also, like, it is a public area. You could get a bunch of, like, people, and especially if they're in high school or whatever it is, whatever school that they're in now at this point. It's kind of just one of those things where it's just like, you really don't want to be doing that out loud. I do kind of want to circle back because, uh, Kennedy, I know you're like, I know at this point you have like a tolerance built up to my persistent horniness, but how did you think that was going to be a weirder take than I'm turned on? <laughs> I guess I'm just used to it. I'm just immune now. I do appreciate the Boys to Men music video. And uh, yes. I think once we got to the Boys to Men music video, I was like, Pog, is this the best episode ever? <laughs> and then it really became the best episode ever because <laughs> Billy is like, yo, you know what will really help you get over this breakup? Let's go fucking snowboarding. Billy, the ultimate wingman, all expenses paid trip using his scholarship money. <laughs> My man's is out here. They're fucking shredding it's 90s vibes. Straight 90s vibes, dude. Yes. 
just like so much of this episode is just footage of the Power Rangers or their stunt doubles shredding powder, just snowboarding, skiing, just going down the hills, wearing the best outfits ever. Yep. Also, there is literally nothing more essentially 90s than snowboarding specifically. With, yeah. with like a particular soundtrack in the background. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the best parts about this too is that not only the A plot was really good, but the B plot with the villain this episode was also really good because uh, King Mondo gets his butler to come up with a mischief-type character, as we saw from the uh, last season of Power Rangers. But instead of Miss uh, Mischief, where it's you fall in love with other people or other human beings, instead you fall in love with robots or objects that are mechanical in nature. And let me tell you, the portrayal of love in this show, there's only there's only two genders. It's drunk or horny. There's there's no other type of yeah. love in Power Rangers existence. It's either one or the other. If it's yeah. mischief style where you're in love with another human being, it's straight up just I'm drunk. I just want to slur my words and be with you all day. And if it's with the robots, it's I'm sticking my dick inside this blender. You can't stop me. Let it be known. Uh, I continue to be turned on. <laughs> the monster blasts Bulk and Skull. Ed makes them in love with their motorcycle, their, their two-part motorcycle. And they're fighting over who loves the motorcycle more. And it's a very interesting scene. Literally fucking a motorcycle was fine, but being gay off screen was not. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. the Power Rangers. Yeah. This is uh this is liberalism, folks. <laughs> You're not wrong. But yeah, so this episode it's just amazing. It's just good vibes. And like towards the end of this episode, um, the the cogs are literally snowboarding themselves like the robots are snowboarding themselves like this episode just goes everywhere that you hope it's going to and then some <laughs> yeah uh the cogs start shredding chasing down cat on the skis mm -hmm. uh there's a fight sequence that's pretty good in the snow regarding yeah. uh zero power ranger pink uh you know like uh, Billy and there's this there's this character that gets introduced that ends up really creepy, which is why I say I'm sort of retconning this and saying that they're in community college. There's a character that's introduced called Heather. She's 28 years old. She's not explicitly 28, but she looks 28. She looks 28. <laughs> and she's a famous snowboarder. She goes to Tommy and Billy or whatever. They go, oh, my God, it's you and all this other stuff. They fangirl a little bit. And then she goes, hey, we're going to go to the Widowmaker. You want to come? Like, I'm going to go shred. And she's like, okay. So the, the guys are like, all right, all right, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, they've been scared of the Widowmaker this whole time. Like, Kat's already been down it, as far as I know, like, with the, the cogs. Like, Kat's already, like, shredding and stuff, and the boys are just wimping out. But uh, when it comes to Heather, these guys, they exchange a look. And this look <laughs> that they exchange, it's a very, like, 
sexually charged look, and it's that look where you look to your you look to your boy, your wingman, and you go, "If you're down, I'm down," and they do like this head nod, and then they say they mouth Widowmaker. <laughs> mouth it at each other yeah and you could tell the question was being telepathically asked fellas is it gay to have a threesome with your wingman it was definitely (laughs) it was definitely a question that was asked fun moments all around why this is part of why you know tommy has seemed so untrustworthy he's just really horny these days in the show yeah, this isn't, like, the first time that Tommy's been, like, excessively horny, nor is it, like, the third, right? <laughs> and so this Heather character goes off the Widowmaker. The Widowmaker is in such a slant that if you go off of it the wrong way, you could just die, right? They go down the mountain together, and Heather goes off the Widowmaker. Tommy... Billy and now Cat, who realizes what's going on, jumps into the fray, and they're like, "No!" And I'm and it says, "To be continued." Amazing. And I'm like, "Oh, she's dead." This is like a <laughs> JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Like to be continued as ending. It's amazing. There's action. There's comedy. There's music videos. There's, there's extraordinary drama. amounts of homoeroticism, also like JoJo. Yep. I need to go back. I need to go back. I need to cut this. I need to like clip this somehow and edit it with the roundabout. Like, especially like the way that they sometimes do the really extended version in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's like all the way back to as they're like trying to like figure out what to do and what's going, you know, all these things. Like it should be like all the way back. That little do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that edit for the Twitter. I don't do enough for the Twitter, so I'm promising that one. You gotta do you gotta do it. It has to start off with Billy and Tommy exchanging the look and mouthing Widowmaker, where it's the really long edit and you just cut out like the the cat fight scene and shit. Yeah, totally would work. It's yes. amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So honestly, I, I had to. I had to. I know it's kind of like a meme pick, but honestly, it's pretty pogged. Like it's pretty pogged. And then coming up right after, there's no business like snow business. We've got the power of gold, the first mm-hmm. appearance of the gold ranger. Kennedy, what happens in this episode? This is the one that starts like with this pretty hype in media rest action sequence. This was really cool, actually. Tommy and Adam are like already morphed and they're investigating this power plant and the others are like somewhere else like investigating something else and they're all like investigating some kind of distress signal or problem and um, there's this villain Wolfbane that's been setting traps for them. I I have to interject and say that the Sentai footage in this episode is fucking insane. I want to watch whatever Super Sentai Zeo is now. Because, like, this was the moment. Like, this was the episode where the Sentai... It looks like a fucking 80s action movie with the way they shot it. It is amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. 
Yeah, it's really it's visually stunning. It's a lot of it. This is some of the best fighting and action type stuff that we've seen all season, pretty much like period. This is even including the stuff that comes later, like just period. Like this is like some of the best like action sequences of the whole season. It's amazing. Um, And so and what's great, too, is like this all pertains to King Mondo's like divide and conquer strategy that he's schemed up and like it really like the villains really seem like they've got this one that they've outsmarted them and it just feels like really tense and like i don't know this is really great but it's all thwarted as suddenly a giant space pyramid crashes into the planet <laughs> gangster gangster what if your fucking spaceship was a fucking pyramid, dude. And also, you just, like, land it in the middle of California. <laughs> Why not? Honestly, that would probably not even be the weirdest thing to happen in California this year. When King Mondo sees the pyramid, he's spooked. And he... Uh, he uh, who would it be? <laughs> like, he... Well, I mean, I you know, sometimes, like, King Mondo is relatively cool-headed and like this sort of overcomes like obstacle unexpected obstacles better than some of the previous villains i will say just like about him as a character but even like even king mondo is completely shook he's like i don't know what this pyramid from the sky is i'm out we are out i don't care that we were about to win we're out <laughs> yeah and and the crazy part about this is, is that King Mondo's um, power level, like I said, it got raised, right? Um, so the cogs are supposed to be stronger than the tangas, and that's mm -hmm. a bit of a plot hole as the season goes on. But for the most part, like, the Rangers were having trouble with just the regular cogs, an average monster of the week. Wolfsbane comes on, on the scene and is just, like, straight up, he's really powerful. And so with a sixth Ranger coming on board, it's kind of a little weird because this is where we start seeing the cracks in Billy's character where he just seems yeah. like petty um, because Billy goes on. Well, like, oh, you know, if you guys had a sixth ranger, it would be amazing. Right. Like it back in the old days, because then you would get the needed backup. And dun -da -da -da, what do you know? The gold well, ranger pops on the scene. It's only petty in context. And I want to encourage everyone just view this particular episode just outside of anything else don't try to relate it to the other canon and when you watch this episode just know in your mind that the gold ranger is billy it doesn't matter that that turns out to not be true later and that it's this whole weird like sci-fi channel-esque triple person alien <laughs> anyway yeah i even i like that kind of stuff normally and i was not into it yeah uh, I, okay i agree with you in that uh, context yes and that's why it's like one of my favorites right it's my second favorite uh, yes i i think everything about this episode excels i so yes i just have to say when you're watching this episode just know in your mind and in your heart that the gold ranger is billy ignore all the other facts that are going to destroy that reality later because that's the perfect reality that we should have had. Yes. And in this episode, it really feels like that's what they're building towards. Like, it really feels like there's this kind of mystery going on where, like, Billy keeps disappearing and here's this fucking sweet-ass Gold Ranger beating the shit out of everything. <laughs> the Gold Ranger is very cool. 
and Billy has never been cool. So even within the context of this episode, detached from everything else, uh, it is impossible to believe that Billy would ever be that cool. Stinky opinion. Sorry, I had to brush that one away. Yeah, what, just because you identify with Billy as a fellow uncool person. Uh, well, you're hanging out with me. <laughs> I never said I was. I'm not cool either. None of us are cool. I would never be the Gold Ranger. I'm cool. Uh, I am. Cool. I would totally I'm not, I'm be not, the Gold I won't Ranger. have this. I am cool. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Um, Kennedy actually probably could be the Gold Ranger. Uh, what? Anyways, yeah. I think honestly, everything about this episode excels. The Gold Ranger fight scenes are fucking amazing. The Sentai. The Sentai shit in the beginning was fucking amazing. The the reveal like the, they started introducing like anime ass shit where like mm -hmm. the fucking ranger the the gold ranger was like fucking like oh did you see what crossed out lines I can't see them ah you know that type of shit with the CGI like the flares yeah. of CGI that they added made it so good and it the hand to hand fight sequences. It's stylistic now is the big difference. Like yes. the CGI in the early seasons is just like, let's try to make a relatively realistic looking lightning bolt, except that like the technology that we have is not really going to make it look realistic. It's going to look kind of goofy. And yeah. like in this season, it was like, they were like, what if we stylize this more? And it's like, oh, this looks so good. <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> also, the Gold Ranger, on the subject of things that look good, the Gold Ranger is one of the coolest looking Power Rangers we have seen so far, or in my opinion, likely ever will see. So fucking cool looking. Yeah, honestly, I was debating on becoming a vapor trap music artist and naming myself the Gold Ranger. <laughs> like that that's like that's how like that's the type of life I want to live right now. That <laughs> that fucking shoulder pads with the like it's like this sort of Byzantine kind of look or something. I don't know. It's just gorgeous. I can't get over it. And his Zord is the pyramid. His Zord is the fucking pyramid is this some mystical fucking third eye wide open fucking like magical shit going on it is so cool dude <laughs> i gotta say easily like probably close to a perfect episode i i don't know honestly like my only detraction from the episode is the billy part right but i guess i think with the with the the context of like okay if you've only ever watched the episodes to this point and you think it's Billy. I think, like, ultimately, this was a cultural moment, too. Because people really did think that Billy was the Gold Ranger. I had a couple people mention to me, because I was telling them, I was like, yeah, I'm watching Power Rangers Zeo, especially as of late. I was like, yeah, I'm watching Power Rangers, whatever, for my podcast. And like, oh, yeah, Billy and the Gold Ranger, right? Like, that was so cool. And I'm like, yeah, except he, he wasn't actually the Gold Ranger at the end of it all. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the Gold Ranger's cool as shit. It was a very cool costume. Uh, I am universally and unequivocally in favor of any kind of, like, cool character standing on the ridge in the mist introduction. Beyond that, I mean, yeah, fight's good. I don't really have anything, like, super cool to add other than just, yeah, fight's good. They punch good. <laughs> uh, they lightning good now, I guess. Comparatively, uh, at least. 
comparatively yeah <laughs> i mean so like i feel like when we're talking about like special effects and power rangers there's like a big asterisk next to it yeah yeah i mean it is a kid's show ultimately yeah so let's let's talk about an episode that was not good at all maybe it had some small things that were good but was overall very bad a small problem this the most our... average episode if i if i ever had to say a Power Rangers episode from the early 90s, which of those would be like the most 5.0 out of 10? This would be a small problem. Yeah. And like they're treading water that they've treaded before and not really in like an, an interesting enough new way. It's not like the difference of snow business where like it's yes, it's another character that's like causing this weird seduction stuff. But it's like uh, with like the Cupid's arrow type power. But now it's like you're falling in love with machines and robots. So it's actually a different twist. This like just being small again. It's like it's just they're small again. There's nothing that exciting about it a second time. It looks better this time. And they they I will say that like the practical effects that they use to like sell the idea, especially from like the Japanese footage that like there's a tarantula and it's big and they're going to get eaten by it are okay that's about the only compliment i can give this episode (laughs) it's just it doesn't even have that much plot most of the episode is them in the terrarium with the tarantula and it looks goofy as shit and it's not really it's a fucking tarantula who cares Um, this is such a like 90s trope kind of thing too i feel like Because, like, the 90s were so into, like, honey, we shrunk the blank, right? So it's like, honey, I shrunk the Power Rangers episode. But, like, I mean, it was everywhere. And it was always, like, specifically a tarantula in every single one of these shows that did this. And I'm like, what what zeitgeist was happening at this moment that made, like, let's make them small and then they have to fight a tarantula like a meme, you know? Like, they can't fight anything else. Right. (laughs) <laughs> they fight i guess because they're trying to fight like a cat or something they would just be screwed right <laughs> was yeah. there just like a really good animatronic tarantula in hollywood that everyone was just renting in the 90s like what's going on i don't know was this the first appearance of big chungus is also yes the uh the zeo ultra zord appears in this episode for the first time one of the most disappointing things just it was shapes just a bunch of just a bunch of shapes. My favorite is the one that just looks like it's a pill. Like an actual like capsule. Like here's some Prozac. This is the Prozac Zord. <laughs> yeah, I like I like uh Big Chungus. I think he's really, really cool. Uh <laughs> like, oh, how can we sell toys of a fucking pyramid? Oh, I know. Let's like compartmentalize all the things about a Zord and just make it the biggest motherfucking Zord you've ever seen that doesn't transform immediately. Doesn't even like really seem like it could move. Uh, counterpoint. Grab, we already way. established that you're not cool. So <laughs> your opinion here is a, uh, it's suspect. Ooh, big Chungus Zord. Yeah, a small problem is just a disappointment. And again, it's not like a 2 out of 10 or a 1 out of 10 or a goose egg the way a few things that we've seen previously have been. It's just really average and boring and like hard to enjoy. Um, There's this whole B plot with like they lose their friend in the desert and then he's kind of upset. That's a thing. 
that's the kind of thing that like passes for story in this episode. You've got your two best now, Kennedy. <laughs> All right, let's talk about some good shit again. A golden homecoming. Yes, another another great episode with gold in the title for this season. A golden homecoming features several things. First of all, so Trey of Triforia is like the weird sci-fi alien guy I mentioned that turns out to be the Gold Ranger. But Trey of Triforia is losing his powers. I'm not going to get into why right now. It's stupid. I don't it's, know. Yeah, he has to go back to his planet for some resource to help it's put not, him back together. It's not super well explained. Let's just say that much. Anyway, Trey of Triforia is going to lose his powers. And a- as is traditional trope of Power Rangers that you have to admit is somewhat unique to the Power Rangers, at least in like Western superhero media. Frequently, if you're going to lose your powers, the powers themselves can be preserved by giving them to someone else. So Trey of Triforia needs to give the powers to someone else. Tommy's out there out and he's like, don't worry, guys, I'm going to come back with the with the gold ranger that we need with the perfect person to take on these powers. And he's kind of hinting at that. I'll talk more about that in a second. But in the meantime, like the other major plot of this episode is that Goldar and Rito have been getting just shit on and fucking abused by Bulk and Skull for 33 episodes. And now in the 34th episode, Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa are like trying to get a foothold back in the Earth quadrant, the Earth sphere. <laughs> Their return, I forget if it's Rita or Zed that like psychically reaches out to them, but one of them reaches out and is like, Don't you remember who you are? Get it together, basically. <laughs> and like it snaps Goldar and Rito out of it. So the golden return ends up being like kind of having this multiple meanings, which I always like. Uh, you know, when they introduce a little bit of like poeticism into the writing or things like that. So I was definitely a sucker for that. The two golden characters coming back, because of course, Goldar, while he has been wimpy at times, has also been like a relatively decent villain. And his return feels like it could be significant. The even more significant thing is that Tommy returns with who is going to be the new Gold Ranger. And it's Jason. The original Red Ranger. He's back. And he like whips off these sunglasses. And he like that smile that he has as he's like, I'm back, baby. Like that just doing this scene. You could just tell that that smile is like a genuine. I am very glad to be doing this show again. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm very glad that I'm not homeless anymore. That too. Just a really like just a really genuine moment when he's like. I'm back, everybody. Um, And it's cool, too, because this is a great moment. Power Rangers likes to do this thing a lot. And I think this is one of the best things about uh, one of the ways that Power Rangers handles, like, its dynamic between different characters. It likes to do this thing a lot where um, there's always a moment where, like, any particular character is the person who needs to save the day. And then there's always a moment when they're not. When Tommy showed up in the show, he was, like, the big badass savior that like turned the tide against rita now it's jason who's showing up to return the favor for tommy who is struggling against king mondo yeah. and it's just like oh i love that like it's just so that reversal good. yep i think you know i talk about like power rangers was definitely like a confidence building show for me as a kid and i think like that is a really cool aspect of it and i think things like that 
are really cool from that perspective because it's like yeah jason was supplanted as the coolest guy at one time but now he gets to come back and be the coolest guy this time and turn the tide yeah so the only reason why i think i didn't pick so actually no this was just a fantastic episode there's just a lot of great episodes in this season that i couldn't necessarily just pick them all this was one of those that i thought was also really fantastic i gotta say i'm kind of low-key thinking that i like Jason as the gold ranger being the six ranger. Like I like him being the six ranger more than I like Tommy being the six ranger. It works really well. It works really well. And then at the end of the episode, they get the super Zeo gems, which unlock the super Zeo zords, which are a little goofy looking, but I still kind of like in a way. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't necessarily like, they're not great, but they're like not the worst swords we've seen. And in particular, these fight scenes where they're introduced are really good. So it's like you, you kind of can't help but cheer for these new Zords at least a little bit because the fight scenes are hype. Yeah, I think what always bothered me was the pills. Like yellow, <laughs> yellow, pink, and green suck. I would totally get the blue one and the red one, though. <laughs> I like the, the star- red one is I, especially good. Yeah, the red one is like, wow, they they actually did it. They actually went whole hog <laughs> on this. That's yeah. crazy. What did you think about the Zords, Rachel? The shape swords are kind of bad. It's kind of super boring. Like they went from like sweet, ridiculously cool animals to like just shape. shape. Yeah. Which is like your this favorite one's one. shaped like a fucking pill pocket you give your dog when your dog doesn't want to take their medicine. <laughs> <laughs> this one's shaped like a carrot. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like what is... I feel like it was kind of lazy, maybe. Like, it's, these are all the same, but they have shapes on their chest. I don't right. know. I wasn't yeah. super into the shapes, especially not after, like, cool kick-ass things like saber-toothed tigers and stuff, you know? But they can fly. We've never seen the Zords really do that before. Like, flying one in the first season. Wasn't there, like, a pterodactyl or something? Yeah, but they all can fly now. So it's like a power, oh. it's like a power level boost. I see. Yeah, because when you can fly, like, that changes everything. Yeah, Yeah, but if I'm six years old demanding my mom buy me a toy at Toys R Us, You're like, the do right I really star. want the shaped one that bad, or do I want the one that turns into a freaking pteranodon? <laughs> <laughs> Last but definitely not least was Rangers of Two Worlds. I It was a very much a toss-up. I did pick part two. Honestly, though... Listeners, watch both parts no matter what. Yeah, this is I, I told Kennedy, I was like, I think I part one parts. is just a tiny bit stronger. For Look, sure. Just consider it both parts. You know what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna like, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna take up more space than I deserve for once. I'm just gonna, just gonna throw my weight around and say, it's both parts, okay? Okay, but, fair enough. But, I but we like, gotta talk I about like, part two. But I do like part two a lot just because... Um, I thought a lot of the resolution was kind of good, but basically just to quickly, quickly summarize a little bit of part one, Billy old. Yeah. Billy, Billy old because <laughs> he made himself uh, back to his normal age when well, 10 years ago, when the earth got spun for 10 years in the past. This was actually, re-spun. this was vindication for your theories, Grav. Cause remember you said Billy kind of like something, he kind of like got screwed out of his like, 
like his normal like life and aging process. Yeah. And like it turns out you were fucking right, Grab. You were right on the money because <laughs> Billy he gets turned old by a weird time disease. And he's super old and no one knows what to do. The Rangers of Aquatar show up to try to help out. The bad guys are also causing problems and things, and there's lots going on. That's basically the gist of part one. There's more to it, but I, I wanna be I wanna honor what we're supposed to do here. Well, um. <laughs> this has a very particular villain. So crazy is just attracted to crazy because cat <laughs> can't make stuff much like Tommy can't make stuff. Do you know how Tommy made like nightmare fuel play face that ended up <laughs> yeah. turning into a monster? Yeah. Cat made like the worst looking purse imaginable. It and was then, not that bad. And then it that purse fine. and then that purse got <laughs> turned into a monster. That looks like it was a very good monster. It, it was really a very good liked monster. like the the kaiju costume they built for this thing, where it was basically like one of those skin tight lycra suits, but then they stuffed a bunch of pillows in it and gave it a gut, and so it ended up looking like it looked like if Oogie Boogie had gotten like painted Pepto Bismol pink, and then they put some buttons on him. Yes. And I'm here for it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I agree. I love it. I love this film. It was a good one. Uh, but also, like, the purse was fine. They clearly just got, like, last season's, like, baby pink purse and then glued some buttons on it as well. And it's like, it's fine. It's fine. You're supposed to be, like, 15 or whatever. You're fine. This episode has everything. Like, I, I it's just a smorgasbord of Power Rangers in 20 minutes. So I could see why Kennedy great. picked it. Yeah, it's great. There's just it's it's there's so much going on. Um, it's visually really beautiful. Like it's I just funny. Yeah, it's funny. It is funny. Also, and, like they did a really good job casting old Billy. Yes. And I like guess that, like yeah. now that I knew the context for what was going on behind the scenes, it also kind of makes sense why they got a non-default actor to play Billy. Right. Without any warning. <laughs> yeah, that was like, it was so sudden, right? Just like, haha, Billy's gone now. It's like, well, oh, okay, because Billy was getting like literally harassed for existing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. And um, in this episode, uh, both the mo what was originally going to be the monster of the week and then the other monster of the week, thanks to Rita, uh, have combined forces to terrorize Angel Grove. They're telling Zordon that they need the powers of Auric. Is that right? Auric the Conqueror. Yeah, they he did real good, too. He fought so good. Yes, yeah, so this right. is when liberalism combats fascism in the yeah, exactly. marketplace of ideology. Yes, 100%. So he says something like, something about respectability politics. Like yeah. he literally has some he has some respectability politics slogan that he shouts. I don't remember exactly what it is, but he's like, let's find a peace. He's it's so funny. He's like, I'm Auric the Conqueror. Let's find a peaceful resolution. Yeah, I think he actually said peaceable solution. <laughs> but it was very much like one of those, like, why don't we just talk it out? Let's just talk about this. Talk folks. about and this, like the entire folks. time I'm watching it and the 
two Megazords that are being piloted by, you know, the purse monster and the pile of gears or whatever are making exactly <laughs> the same face I'm making, which is just this, like, confused stare of, like, what are you yeah. serious? So the Gold Ranger... Why? The Gold Ranger gets this key from Zordon, right? And you're like, holy shit, this is going to be fucking pog, dude. And he throws, he like sends the key into the sky to summon Auric the Conqueror. And Auric the Conqueror has like this weird accent. And you're like, holy <laughs> shit, holy shit, we're about to get like Ninjor version two. And then the next thing you know, he's out here trying to debate two fascists out in the field. <laughs> and they're just like, no, fuck you. We're going to keep killing people. Also, he has he has dorky old man shoes. He has like Rudy Giuliani shoes. His shoulder pad <laughs> cape is, oh, my God, Question. like blatant, blatant toy. <laughs> like just absolutely like, oh, OK, no, there's no pretense about this. This cape is the shell in which you're going to, like, transform it out of. For a bait and switch, it was very funny. I loved it. Yeah. And I have to say, like, uh, I, I wasn't, like, excited to see Billy leave the show, obviously, especially considering the context. But I thought that this ending, like, came to a pretty decent conclusion and that, like, Billy ultimately ending up on Aquatar just kind of made sense. And had sort of been hinted at several times as like a possibility. Like he kept like sort of being like one foot in, one foot out. Am I going to Aquatar or not? In like some of his behaviors towards the Equations pre in previous episodes. So it's like, okay, this kind of makes sense. And like also like the Equations are like really into all this tech stuff, you know? So Yeah, um, it, it made sense for Billy's character. I do think though that this is probably it's an it's it pains me too much because by the time you reach this episode, like it's already hit you, like how shitty Billy has been treated this season, like yeah. even on screen. Yeah. And uh, it frustrates me, too, because there's episodes that happen after this where they straight up say, I wish Billy was here or if only Billy was here and all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have called him the F word too many times. Right. You know? <laughs> it's just fucking uh, wild but yeah no it's it's a pretty I, decent end the zord fight was also pretty the good the zord fight really good really yeah. really good they they busted out all the stops in this battle because these are so far from what the stakes were like the pink pillow monster can absorb charge beams and all this other stuff so yeah. uh they really had to bust out all the stops and get everyone involved to take out the, these monsters of the week and so you get the equation rangers they're back it's this whole big team up with the zeo rangers you've got all their zords into the fray Tons it's pretty sick yeah it's pretty sick yeah it's a pretty it's it's a just a delight for the eyes kind of final battle yeah and the last thing i was going to say about the zord <clears throat> fight was first of all i really like it when the the zeo zords form together I think that's a really cool like scene about how the they all like fall into place. That was really well done. But another improvement that they made is that they have an actual animation for the Zord having a sword and then slicing yeah. down. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cuz before the Zord would mm -hmm. just get like 
fire thing, and then they would just like do a CGI cut over a still frame of yeah. like a flashing light cut across, and then you would see the sword like, or you would see the enemies blow up. But in this case, it's like actually seeing the sword come down, and it's it's really cool. Also, the tire thing, for as silly as that was, the tire power up was interesting. It was okay. It was okay. It was. Interesting. I didn't hate it. This was also the one where like Bulk and Skull were trying to take their test, right? Yeah. I think that was this episode. They're trying to take their like detective tests and then they're doing the like Jurassic Park water on the table shaking and they're just like, no big deal. Cause like, I guess they rationalize it to themselves that like, yeah, they just want to see how we operate under pressure. And it's like, no, y'all are about to fucking die. Like <laughs> This is the second time. This is the second time that Bulk has put Skull's life at risk because he doesn't get an impending sense of doom. Nope. Yeah. It happened in the very first season of Power Rangers. And it happened again here, and it's just as hilarious the second time. But ultimately, like, I don't know. The Bulk and Skull side plots have just been really poor this season. So can't really yeah. say too much about it, unfortunately. I did like the team-up, though. It was, a, it was a fantastic, fantastic episode. And then, uh, you know, Billy's send-off. I hate the fact that they invented a new character because they could have just as easily just had him be with Sestro. Well, or just but obviously... allude or allude to being with Cestro at Aquatar. You know, yeah. they could have like done some way of doing that. And it would have made sense considering that Cestro and Billy hang out together a lot. You know, they yeah, friends really throughout the does kind of come across as one final fuck you to this character or to this actor by making the character like officially paired off with, you know, a woman like in a heterosexual relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Disregarding all of those negatives, I can still see why you picked it, Kennedy, because there were so many Pog moments. Yeah, for like, sure. Just the absolute, like, the fact that they did all of that shit is wild. Okay, yeah. so I have one last question. Mm -hmm. Sure. sure. Um, Y'all keep saying Pog. I assume you don't mean fat-ass white girl, which I proudly am. But what do you mean? Not P-A-W-G, no. Uh, P-O-G. E yes, so what is what is this Pog thing? So it stems from The game Twitch. that we played in the 90s. <laughs> it stems <laughs> from someone's reaction uh, that went viral, and then it was, the emote was called Poggers. And so people would be like, that's Poggers, and then shorten it to Pog. And ah, then, the, then it became like a verb within the last year where it's like, I'm Pogged up. It's I'm glad you're happy. Cool. You know, I'm just happy you're happy. <laughs> All right, let's rate these. Wow. I didn't think I would get disrespected this much on this episode <laughs> of the podcast. You should have known. It's Rachel. Uh, I wasn't expecting this. I'm nothing but nice to her. I love you so much, Graf. <laughs> I would fight for you and die for you. <laughs> and also, I... Am gonna make fun of you on your own podcast sometimes, but love <laughs> and the willingness to die for you, Rachel. Okay. What's your final thoughts? Uh, okay, purse monster rules. Uh, yeah. I actually wrote in my notes, Arik is a lib. I think that's worth mentioning. The acting was bad. The editing was bad. The shape zords were bad, but overall, I had fun. I had fun in their badness, you know? It's, like, bad in a way that feels good. Would you continue watching Power Rangers? 
Maybe. Are you asking <laughs> me to? <laughs> no, I'm just simply asking. <laughs> if what you saw intrigued yeah. you enough to check out other Power Rangers content. I am very curious from having talked with y'all about this, about the later seasons. Like, it sounds like it gets a lot better. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious what that looks like i might check like later seasons out where they do get better um because i i do wonder because like you know this season it's like fine it's very 90s kids show you know what six seasons from now i will come back (laughs) (laughs) i have one request for you rachel okay if you're willing to check out later seasons of power rangers check out power rangers dino charge the first episode just watch the first episode and just Tell me your reaction to it, because I want to know. Well, it has dinosaurs right in the name, so I assume I will like it more than the Shapes one. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are correct. Uh, oh. Also, you'll really love the intro theme. You're going to love a lot of themes. You're going to love a lot I mean, of yeah. stuff about it. The intro theme of Power Rangers, I am absolutely certain in the same sort of, you know, inchoate way that sexuality is formed by our early childhood experiences uh, is the reason that I like metal. I'm very confident of that, so. Hell yeah, hell yeah. The first truly metal song I loved was the Power Rangers theme song, and I will die on this hill. I'm Love with it. it. I'm with it. My first uh, truly metal song that I loved was Limb Biscuit's uh, Rollin'. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what would you love to plug today? Oh, gosh. Okay, well, uh, obviously not safe for wonks. Which is my home podcast slash pod network at this point. We have tons of really amazing shows. Kennedy is there. This is there. And in particular, you know, it's just it's home base for me. I also want to let people know that pretty soon we're going to be dropping a merch line. And there are going to be like some very cool, you know, holiday sweaters and like non-holiday things you can wear year round. And we're very excited about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you ever want to get more delicious Rachel content, you can meet me at four o'clock on Fridays for my stream Ungirl, where we talk kind of about sex, gender and sexuality, but also just about whatever I feel like, because it's like my show and I get to do what I want. Let's go. Cool. <laughs> Love Very it. Very nice. And yeah. All right. And uh, where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on facebook and twitter at reach rachel con that's r-e-a-c-h-r-a-c-h-e-l-k-a-h-n all three of which are difficult to spell so if it takes a couple tries you know whatever you'll figure it out awesome awesome all right yeah well thank you so much for coming on rachel yeah thank you so much for having me it was a lot of fun it was very cool to revisit my childhood always a pleasure rangers Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.